Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Gospel Saving Church. Praise God, I'm so glad you're here. This is your first time listening to me. Hello, I'm Pastor Ed Spagnoli, and this is Gospel Saving Church, one of God's true churches of these last days, and this is our weekly broadcast of truth from God's Word. I hope you came here to hear truth today. We don't teach our opinions. We don't teach your, uh, you know, things that are false or, or fake doctrines or, or things to tickle your ears. We teach you the truth of God's Word. Teach you the truth of the Bible. That's why I'm here. That's what every real church is supposed to be all about. <clears throat> I hope that you're in a real home church. If you're coming to me online somewhere all over the world, I hope you're in a real church somewhere uh, being edified and going there and edifying one another and being built up in the faith as a holy spiritual man or woman or child as, as you should be. Uh, welcome, though, to Gospel Saving Church. Praise God. I, like I said, I'm glad you're here. We always start out with a word of prayer to uh, ask God to help us understand His Word. So if you guys would please join me, I would truly appreciate it. And uh, let's ask uh, God to help us and, and bless us. Lord, we thank You so much for bringing us here today. We thank You so much, Lord, for whew, all the things that are in Your Word that are just so awesome, Lord. All, all the things about You, Lord. All the things that You tell us about <clears throat> life and eternity, Lord. All the mysteries, Lord, got it that mankind cannot know in and of their flesh, Lord, because in, in, in the flesh, in our, in our just our fleshly person, Lord, we are, Lord, we're, all we know is just what's around us. We can know only what we see, Lord, the physical, Lord, we can only really understand what we can test, Lord, but you, but you tell us the mysteries of, of eternity, Lord, and, and the, that there's a spiritual aspect to us, Lord, and you, you lay it all out in your word, and God, we're so thankful, Lord God, that you yeah, filled in the blanks, I'll say, Lord, and, and that you add things, put things in your word, Lord God, that, that, that we would never know if you didn't tell us. And Lord, you just, you're so awesome and you never cease to amaze me. Lord, we ask you today to bless this message. Lord, bless my mouth. I pray, Lord God, that, that those that would listen to this message, Lord, would not, would not hear me. Lord, I pray that they'd hear you. And I pray, dear God, that your voice in their hearts, Lord, your Holy Spirit in their hearts, your Holy Spirit in their minds, Lord God, would bring them to repentance or or help them grow in you or strengthen them in you, Lord, wherever they're at, Lord God. You know where each and every individual on earth is at. We'll talk about that today a little bit. But I just ask, Lord God, that you, by your Holy Spirit, by your voice, Lord, would touch people, Lord, and they would be changed. Because we all, Lord God in heaven, if we, if we, no matter how devout we may be to you, or, or maybe there's somebody out there listening to me that, that has never known you and they're seeking right now. We can all need to be, to be grown, Lord. We all need to be grown. We all need to change. We all need to continue to change, Lord God. Those of us that are yours, to change to be more like you, to be more sanctified like you, to, to have more of your perspective, more of your heart, Lord God. Those that are, those that are in medium will get the same thing, Lord. Those that have never known you, Lord, they need your change too. They need your change of heart so that they can turn to you, Lord, and, and they can have that new heart and that new spirit, and that, new, that new heart of flesh, Lord, that Ezekiel talks about, Lord. And we just uh, pray for that for them, Lord. Pray for change for all of us. And we thank you and we love you. And we pray all these things and ask all these things, God, in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. Today we're going to be in Acts chapter 28, finishing our way through the last chapter of Acts, 28 verses 11 through 15. I'll give you a moment to get there in your Bibles if you're not already there. If you're here with me week by week, you know we go verse by verse, book by book through the Bible. Uh, different books, though. We don't go uh, 
uh, ascending books. We don't go, you know, we don't go Acts, Romans, you know, First Corinthians, Second Corinthians. We just uh, we 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 jump around whatever God may lead me to teach on. But anyway, we're going to be in Acts 28, almost finished with the book of Acts. We've done Acts 1 all the way through Acts 28. Title of our sermon today, God Cares. Very simple title today, God Cares. I'll explain it all kind of at the end. I normally kind of throw in the title as I teach on the message, but you'll have to just wait till the end to find out about the title. Uh, If you're there, great. If you're not, you can listen along. I'm going to read Acts 28, 11 through 15, and then we'll get to our study. Luke tells us this. After three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers, which had wintered at the island. And landing at Syracuse, we stayed three days. From there, we circled around and reached Regium. And after one day, the south wind blew, and the next day, we came to Petuli, where we found brethren and were invited to stay with them seven days. And so we went towards Rome. 15. And from there, when the brethren had heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Apae, Forum, and three inns. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Last week, we saw the angle, remember, of the president of Malta, right, Publius, with Paul, and how he treated him with favor, uh, entertaining him and those with him to gain favor from him so that he'd be able to ask Paul whom he and the islanders thought was a god because of a snake bite that didn't kill him. Anyway, Publius had an angle with Paul to try to get Paul to come and heal his sick father who both had diarrhea and uh, another illness. So Paul wasn't a god and still isn't a god, but he knew the one true god of all the universe, Jesus Christ, and he knew that Jesus had given him the ability to heal others as a way to reach them with the gospel. And that is a very good way to progress the gospel. If you have a a healing gift from God, that's a good way to enter into somebody to help them understand the gospel because you've got an open door. They want a healing and you want to tell them about Jesus Christ. And so your angle can be, I want to heal them or I'm going to heal them for God. And and their angle is, I want that healing. But then you can come at them with that other angle of, I want to tell them about Jesus. Anyway, Paul ended up putting Publius and the islanders in their place as far as them believing him to be a god because, remember, he prayed over Publius' father and he always prayed as a real minister of Jesus Christ and as we should today if we're really living for Jesus Christ, we should always pray in Jesus Christ's name. Again, because that's what people that really love God do. That's what the Bible commands us to because there's only one mediator between God and man and that's the man, Jesus Christ. And it's also a good way to help people understand who you serve. Praying in Jesus Christ's name shows them that you serve Jesus Christ. Do you serve Jesus Christ? Anyway, we ended off last week's message talking about how long Paul had stayed on the island healing people in verse 11. Today we start back off in verse 11. Uh, Let's read it again and let's study. It says that after three months we sailed in an Alexandrian ship, Luke tells us, whose figurehead was the twin brothers, which had wintered at the island. So the soldier that was guarding Paul, as well as the others that were guarding their own prisoners, as well as, remember, there were about 276 people, including Paul, on the ship totally, well, that were all along for the ride. Well, they found another ship that had come to Malta to winter there. Uh, So so as I said last week, those that were sailing this Alexandrian ship were obviously smarter than those who were leading and piloting the ship that God had brought Paul to Malta on because this ship's sailors 
hung out in Malta, right, until after the dangerous, treacherous killer storm season was over, right? The Euryclidans, right? They, they, they knew that they were coming, so they said, well, you know, we're not going to push it. We're going to hang out in Malta, and we're just going to wait here till all these dangerous storms are over. And I, and I, and I find a couple things funny here because uh, we're going to see how short the actual trip is from Malta to get to it to get to Italy, and really they would, it would have been hardly no trouble at all. Probably a Euroclidon wouldn't have gotten them, but uh, but uh, I find it funny that they wintered any there uh, for another reason. Also, uh, I find it funny that these piloting the Alexandrian ship decide to winter in Malta, considering what Luke writes about it. The one specific detail that he gives us about it, Luke tells us here that it had the twin brothers on it that would be the figurehead okay so the figurehead that would be either painted on or engraved on the ship's prow that's the front of the ship that'd be like if the ship was sailing by you and you saw the side of the ship on the front of the ship you'd see you would have seen you know they people had different things engraved on there or painted on there well this ship had the twin brothers painted or engraved on the front of this ship well the vessel's figureheads were those luke called the twin brothers they were, what history tells us, they were the Greek god Zeus's sons, Castor and Pollux. And the Greek poets had ascribed to these two sons of Zeus to be the gods of the sea. So that, listen to this, they presided over storms and protected the seafaring men that were on the boats. Now, I find their wintering in Malta funny because, again, we'll, we'll see the trip from Malta to Italy is a tiny short, and we'll see how short that is in our sermon. But all, And they could have made it easily, but I also find it funny that the ship, the fact that the ship's owners had these twin gods of the sea on the prow that tells it that they thought superstition that these two twin gods protected them from the evil at sea. Yet, if the sailors thought or really believed the two little pagan gods brought them good luck at sea, why winter for any kind of dangers at sea, even the killer storms, and lose valuable sailing time? Because, hey, these two gods of the sea, they're going to protect us. Yeah, that's that's what they do. You know, hey, we could sail across wherever. It doesn't matter. Nothing will get us on the sea. You see, but here, here's the thing that God shows me. If they really believed what they said they did about these two little twin pagan gods and trusted in these gods of the sea, then they shouldn't have wintered, right? And that's true. Absolutely. But they did. They did winter. That's the important thing. And we know that they didn't really believe in their pagan gods, like they didn't really trust in them like the gods wanted them to, because down deep it shows us that they wintered because their consciences told them, I don't really believe. I'm not really willing to put my life on the line for these gods that I bow down to and serve, because I don't really believe in them. And so the conscience is a very powerful tool that God put in each one of us. And here, it's, it's, they just show us. They had these, they, the owner of this ship and those that were piloting this ship, they thought these little twin gods, or at least they would outwardly say, yeah, they're going to protect us. 
yet their actions showed that they didn't really believe or really trust in what these pagan gods stood for, which means their conscience shows us that they knew they really weren't real. Yet even though their conscience told them that, they, that their gods really weren't real, they bowed to, down to them and gave their money to them anyway. It's so sad how people want to reject the, the king of all the universe for, for lower uh, things of this world that we lift up and exalt, and it's it's just so ridiculous. It's it's so sad. But anyway, it shows us. They showed us here a good example of what people even today that believe in pagan gods they don't really fully believe trust in their pagan gods because they're not really willing to put their life on the line for them. Finishing up verse eleven and some thoughts about the conscience that I just talked about. I wonder if Paul's conscience was bothered by having to get on this pagan ship. I, I mean, thankfully, Paul and his crew are on their way to Italy finally, and they're on the shortest trip to Italy, but sadly, it comes via, or via, I should say, a pagan ship. I'm not sure that it uh, did, I'm not sure that it did bother Paul's conscience, and I'm not sure that it didn't, but I will say this, whether it did or whether it didn't, remember, he was just a prisoner here. He wasn't in control. I mean, they kind of listened to him, but they kind of didn't listen to him. So we saw that through Scripture. You know, they, they listened to him in the life-threatening situations when he had already proved himself. But when it came down to just a matter of a choice or something, they didn't listen to him. So whether he it bothered him or not, he didn't have any control over it. So he was just a prisoner. He didn't have much say. And so, nevertheless, they get to Italy, praise God, or they're headed toward Italy, Italy, praise God, either way. Moving on in our text for today. So they finally leave Malta after three months on a pagan ship, the dangerous times of the storms being ended, where they catch this ship headed to Italy, and it's first stop, read verse 12, and landing at Syracuse, we stayed three days. Syracuse being a city on the Ionian Sea uh, and on the coast of Sicily, Italy. So yay, they finally reach a landmass that's considered Italy. Finally, finally, finally. Sicily is an island off the western coast of the toe of the boot of Italy of the boot, excuse me, of Italy, but it's still considered Italy. So Luke doesn't tell us how long it takes them to get to Syracuse and Sicily, but I can't imagine sailing that it would have been more than about three hours port to port because there's no mention here of difficult travel time or difficult difficulties at sea or contrary winds or anything, and they're out of the bad weather season. The first stop is a very simple, easy, and short one at only about 131 miles. That's all it was roughly to sail from where they were in Malta around there to, uh, to Syracuse in Italy. So it, it's so simple, easy, and short that today, believe it or not, you can actually take a ferry from Malta to the southern part of Sicily and then by car travel to Syracuse. Total trip even today from Malta to Syracuse, ferry first, then car. Google Maps says that it only takes four hours and 45 minutes. That's from leaving the coast of Malta, you know, sailing or taking the ferry. That's how tiny of a trip this really was. Taking a ferry to the coast of Sicily and then driving up to Syracuse is less than five hours. I mean, now imagine they're in a ship 
and they're traveling from the coast of Malta to the right to the Syracuse port. So that's why I said maybe about three hours because, you know, seas, there's no stops, there's no traffic, you just sail. It's just, you know, easy. Uh, this little trip here was, was most definitely a cakewalk considering what they had been through so far just getting to Malta. Wow, would be an understatement there. So they get to Syracuse and Sicily, and Luke tells us that they stay there three days but doesn't say why. And there doesn't seem to be any reason why either. We don't read about any wind, or we, we, we do read a little bit later about there being a south wind blowing, and that's why they only stayed in place one day, but... Anyway, whatever. It's three days is three days. Uh, they might have been picking up some goods to take to another port. We don't know. Paperwork, you know, all that bureaucracy. We don't know. E three days, three days, they move on. From there, after their three-day layover, verse 13 says this, From there we circled around and reached Regium. And after one day the south wind blew, and the next day we came to Patuli, or Patoli. Uh, Regium, which would be in the past, that was the name of the city past. The current name of the city is Regio Cal Calbria, uh, which is another, which was and is still a coastal city on the very tip of the boot tip of Italy, which puts them now on mainland Italy instead of the Italy, which was the one well, island of Italy, Sicily, right? Regium or Regio Calbria is about a hundred miles straight north and slightly east of Syracuse, still on the Ionian Sea, which is again a very safe, short, and easy journey for our perilous travel travelers. They would have probably just traveled right along the coast of Sicily on the west side till they came closer to their destination and then probably trekked across to the mainland of Italy where there's only about a 10-mile space. That's the that's the closest place from Syracuse, Italy to the mainland Italy. There's about a 10 mile little little passageway there. That's the shortest point between the island and the mainland. And again, there's a there's actually a ferry that goes across there now too. It's a little, little 10 mile space between Italy, uh, Sicily and mainland Italy's boot tip. Today, again, they offer a ferry crossing uh, in this spot. Now, now they're finally killing their trip at this point. They are cruising. Luke just tells us here in verse 13 that they stay in Regium just one day, and then they catch some good south wind. Remember, they needed south wind. They still needed to sail a little bit, and so off again they go just one day. On this good south wind, Luke tells us that they make it from Regium to Patoli, uh, or Puzzuli today, which is another metropolitan city of Naples, Italy. So everybody's kind of heard of Naples. Well, uh, Puzzuli today, which is a current city today, was near, the, again, the metropolitan city of Naples, Italy. Google Maps says that Patuli is roughly 230 miles from Regium by sea. It's just a straight shot directly north from Regium to Patuli. And just an FYI, at this point in Patuli, they're only about 150 miles from Rome. And they will take a rest here. Uh, they'll take the rest of their trek to Rome on foot. No more boats. No more on the sea. Uh, considering their experiences at sea, I'm sure they're ecstatic to find that they don't have to be on a boat anymore. I'm sure that they're happy to be off the sea after the horrible trip that they've just had traveling for months just to get to where they are. Moving on. So they're in Patoli, they, verse 14, 
they, where we found brethren and were invited to stay with them seven days. So we went toward Rome. Notice how it says that they found brethren. I'm going to address this as we continue to go on, but that's kind of a key uh, point to our whole kind of the, the big thrust. A lot so far right now, in case you haven't picked up on it, a lot of it, what we've read so far, what I've studied so far has been a lot of details. It's just been a lot of details, a lot of, you know, studying about as far as, you know, it, it took a lot on my end, but it was very short to teach. It's, it's kind of funny how that works that way. It's kind of like cooking. Cooking, you know, a, a cook may spend hours in the kitchen, but it only takes the, the people to eat it five or ten minutes. It's kind of like sometimes with my sermons. I spend hours sometimes getting all these little details that I tell you guys, but then it only takes me five minutes to teach you. So it's, anyway... Uh, but now we're going to get into a little bit more in-depth, kind of some meanings, kind of some where does the God care come from title, you know, the whole thing. But here it says, notice this is important, we, where, we found, where, we, where we found brethren and were invited to stay with seven, for seven days. So that, that would lead us to believe that as they got there, they had the seven days there, and I'll address that in a second, but what they kind of went out to find some brethren, which involved them going to maybe a church or you know, going to a church or, or seeing a believer on the street or you know, striking up conversations. Oh, you're a believer. Oh, well, do you know we're, hey, we're needing a place. You know, we, you know, we need to rest a little bit. And hey, oh, I know some brethren and come on, come on over here. So it involved them having to find some Christians, not some Christians finding them. So here they get to mainland Italy where they find some fellow Christians and they stay with them seven days. I know that they are all, as I just said, really excited to be on land instead of the sea because here, both Paul, his crew, along with the Roman soldier, uh, because the, remember the Roman soldier and Paul, they kind of had to stay together. He was kind of his prisoner, so they had to stay together. But the Roman soldier here allows Paul to stay in this little area near Naples for seven days. He could have hastened the trip along much quicker, but he didn't, which shows me that they kind of all wanted a break after their perilous trip, after what they've been through, you know, the hardships that they've been through. Paul probably sat around with these fellow Christians resting for one, and number two, of course, I'm sure he regaled them with all the adventures that they've had on their quest. Then after they probably had storied themselves out, is all I could think of, you know, telling all the wild seafaring tales that they had had, the shipwreck, how God was personally involved and took them and took care of them and got them where they needed to go safely. And, and, and after they received much rest, they were ready to go again. What a time, you know, as, a, as an office, as an aside, what a time this must have been for Paul, and, or for most, excuse me, what a time this must have been for those that were listening to Paul. I mean, you know, they, obviously, every Christian's life does have amazing things about God in it. If God's involved in your life, if you're a Christian, awesome things are going to happen. But Paul, I would say, was an octave above, right, the normal Christian. Like, he, he wasn't just the, God moved in his life way more than God moves in the average Christian lives. You know, I'm, that's just, we see that in Scripture. Uh, someday, I can't wait in eternity, after I've, sat at the presence of Jehovah and Christ for a few thousand years. And after that, I want to kind of take a look outside the temple for a few hours a day maybe. And I want to go, I can't wait till I actually get to go and talk to these same guys, Paul, Peter, James, John, Moses, 
Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I can't wait till I go and talk to them about their personal experiences that they had with God throughout their lives. Because, you know, although the Bible tells us a lot of things that happened with these patriarchs, with these, with these awesome men of God that lived and carried on the story of God, we know, we know the Bible doesn't have every detail of all the things that happened. I mean, in Abraham's life, for instance, there were times where one uh, verse or end verse chapter three, maybe when he's, you know, 50 and then uh, chapter four, the very next chapter, maybe 20 years later. And that happens a lot in scripture. And well, what happened in those 20 years? I don't I don't know. Well, I can't wait to meet these guys. And hey, what happened in that 20 years? <laughs> anyway, I'm sure here these that were entertained by Paul for these seven days were blessed beyond belief with all the details that Paul shared with them of their travels and how God used them. But important to note, story time and sharing the experiences that had happened to them for Christ aside, they still, Paul, they still have their mission to go to Rome. And so they very end of verse 14, notice it says, and so we went towards Rome. Ser- servants of Christ speaking to you now, it's okay to have leisure time to refresh ourselves and to be in church and talk to others and share experiences with Christ with others. But after that is done, and after we're done being refreshed in church, it's important that we remember that God has given each one of us callings that He wants us to do. God has given each one of us responsibilities that He has told us, hey, this is what I want you to do. This is your specific mission, my child. And it's important that after we get refreshed and after we get to be with one another and after we get done sharing all of our awesome experiences and how God's moving in our lives, it's important that we get back to doing the things that God told us to do, that we don't grow lax and only only really have our Christianity and our wonderfulness of our Christianity in our church and while we're fellowshipping with one another. Back years ago, I led a couple different street ministry teams, and it was a very common practice as we'd get out, we'd get out, we'd pray, you know, for the mission uh, that night, and then as we'd go, well, of course, you know, right as we'd go, of course, we'd kind of park where there's not very many people or no people at all, and then walk to where the people were. So while we'd be walking and praying about where to go and who to talk to and what to say, of course, you know, we strike up fellowship time. We used to strike up fellowship time all the time. You know, we'd share about our families and what God's doing in our lives, kind of like church, but more intimate because, you know, at church is, you know, like a lot of people and you can't get real in depth. So in the ministry, on the field, you know, as you're talking, you get a little bit more personal you know, you're together with that person outside of the normal. And it was always difficult. And we always used to have a problem where we would get caught up in fellowship so much that we like slip by people that we were supposed to talk to about Jesus Christ. And so we had, I had to be careful. In fact, I had to make a rule that we were to stop talking when we started to approach pretty much anybody as we were going. We were not supposed to be fellowshipping because it was really easy to talk to people, to talk to one another, and stay closed when we were out there to reach people for Christ. And so, Christians, again, fellowshipping aside and keeping it in its place is what we need to do. Make make sure that we're serving Christ and working for Him and fulfilling the missions that He's given us in our lives. As as you know, He He told us the Great Commission: we go go ye therefore to all the earth and preach the gospel. Um, Mark, okay, Gospel of Mark, the very last chapter. So, anyway. Again, 
keep the work of God in its place and don't just live life for fellowship. God will honor abundantly the one who stays focused on the work he's given them to do. Look at the blessing that Paul receives on his way to Rome because he stayed faithful to fulfill the calling of Christ in his life. Read just the first sentence. It's the, it's the majority of the sentence of verse 15, our last verse for today. Read just the first sentence of verse 15. And from there, that would be they left you know, the Naples area. From there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as a pie forum and three inns. So as they're making their way to Rome, traveling from near Naples, they trek about 120 out of the 150 miles on foot or by animal to what uh, is commonly known as the three inns. It's not known as that today, but it is the, the Apae Forum. Is, it, it does have a similar name. It's like the, I, I should have written it down, uh, written it down, excuse me. I, I, it's uh, the, uh, ap, uh, there, it's the Appian Way or the Appian Road. It's, it's still there today. It's not the Apae Forum anymore, but the Appian or Apian Road or or intersection is still there to this day. It's still named that today. You used to go on Google Maps, Appian or Appian. Anyway, this three ends, it's about it's about 30-some miles from Rome, and that's where Scripture's telling us that the disciples and, you know, the travel companions, the centurion, the guard, that's where they are, okay? And as they come to this three ends, which was a place for, you know, you know travelers to lodge, which, you know, commonplace just some 30 miles from Rome it says here Luke tells us that they find a band of fellow Christians from Rome that were waiting for them there wow waiting to visit them and probably help them on the last leg of their journey now that may not seem like a big huge deal to us today but it was a big huge deal for Paul and those in his day why would these people being there to meet and greet Paul and help them on the last leg of their journey be such a big, huge deal? Didn't they just, in Rome, didn't they just jump on some public transportation or hop in their car and they were there, you know, anywhere from a half hour to an hour and a half, depending on traffic? Not even close. 30 miles travel in those days was nothing to, stake, uh, to, to shake a stick at, even by horseback people say today even that 30 miles on even horseback which is obviously easier than on foot was a full day's trip a whole day right which means that these beloved christians from rome hear about paul coming to their city and they they don't wait for him to get there they travel at least a whole day maybe more if they came on foot to simply meet greet and help him on his way, on his journey. This would have been a huge blessing and honor to anyone. This Christian band from Rome loved the Apostle Paul, and they didn't have cars or public transportation. And again, at best, they had some horses, uh, which at best case, again, took them a whole day, again, just to travel there to show Paul that he was important to them and that they loved him. You want to talk about real sacrificial love? These guys have it down. As I mentioned already, they could have easily just waited for him. Just one more day, he would have been there with the centurion and his band, and maybe maybe two days. 
Uh, we don't know if Paul and them were traveling by horse. I, I would guess that they were, being that he had a Roman with him. You know, Rome would have, you know, given this centurion, this guard, the ability to travel, you know, the finances to travel the ways that he needed to travel anyway. But they could have just waited for him a day or two more. And then when he got there, have a big party for him and meet and greet him. But they don't. And their actions would be a blessing and honor for anyone. Did Paul feel blessed and honored by their trek of devotion for him? Remember when I told you don't read the whole of the last verse 15? Now read the last sentence of of verse 15. And there is so much power here. God showed me something really interesting here. Last sentence of verse 15 says this. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. You better believe that Paul was honored. He realized what their trip cost them. Just how blessed and honored was Paul? Look at what God showed me here. I didn't just see this till just yesterday as I was doing this sermon. Luke tells us here that Paul thanked God, but most importantly, that he took courage. This is what God showed me. If Paul took courage... That means he was running short on courage at this time of his life in his faith. I don't have to take courage if I'm already courageous, right? If I'm doing great, if I'm strong in the faith, yeah, God, you cast out, you know, come in, ask God to do a miracle, yeah, I'm doing great. I don't have to be take courage. I'm already courageous. I'm already, I'm already encouraged. I'm already on top of the mountain. Right? I don't have to take courage uh, when I'm doing great. I have to take courage when I'm discouraged. That's when I have to take courage. Why would their trek of devotion have meant so much to Paul even to pick up his courage and lose his discouragement? Well, the first and only thing, uh, there's a couple, but the first and main thing I should say that the Lord reminded me of for Paul and myself was this. Well, when you're serving Christ... One of, our, one of our enemies' greatest attacks against us, and that would be that, that old devil. One of his greatest attacks against us is when things are going tough, he likes to attack us in the mind with his evil whispers. I believe it's Peter that talks about how his fiery darts, he shoots his fiery darts at us. Well, of course, he does that. Think of Jesus in the wilderness. He does that. Now, of course, when we're on the mountaintop, I'm sure he still tries. But of course, when we're, when we're courageous, it's harder to get to us, right? Harder to get to the, to the, to the animal that's in great health. But when the animal's weakened, maybe they hurt their leg or maybe they're tired. And oh, then they're, once they're easy prey, that's when the devil comes the most. And, and, one of, and some of his evil, evil whispers, his, his terrible mental tortures that he likes to try to jab God's children with, uh, he loves to whisper things like this. Nobody cares about your work for God's kingdom. <laughs> you know what, man? You're wasting your time. Nobody appreciates what you do for God. Why do you keep going? Who, how many people have shown you that they appreciate you? You're always the one traveling here, there, everywhere. How many people have shown you that they really love you? How do you know everything that you're doing is not just fabricated from yourself? Now think now how hard it was for Paul at this point in his trip. 
It was a super long trip. It was super trying. It was super tiring for them all up to this point. Now, with all of their delays, their battles at sea, get this, I'm going to tell you something that's pretty amazing here. With with their battle with the sea, their shipwreck, along with the three months in Malta, where Paul didn't get to rest, Paul had to serve Christ, healing others there for that three months that he's there. They are now, think of it, now they're not in Rome yet, but they are a good at least or around six months coming from Caesarea. That's how long it took them to take this trip so far. With all the layovers, again, with all the problems, when this trip normally, about two to three weeks. So in under a a month, they could have been there. It took them now, they're six months, roughly, in getting to Rome. And at this point, at the three taverns in Italy, Paul is tired. Paul's wore out. Paul is beat down. He's on the last leg of his trip. Yes, just 30 miles to go. Praise God on safe land. Remember, he had the Roman soldier there that was there to protect him. So, you know, even if there would have been bands of raiders, then, you know, the Roman soldier was a trained guard. But he had, just remember, walked or rode about 120 miles from the area in Naples. And either way, I'll tell you, riding a horse is not easy. I've been, I've never been on one, but I've, been told by people that riding horses actually exercise like you would actually be down on bond foot exercising. It's, it, it takes work, I guess, exercise to hold on, to tense your body a certain way. So either way, this was a taxing trip for all of them. And after all he'd been through, I wouldn't doubt it if he might have been bothered by the uncertainty of what was going to happen to him in Rome. Paul was a strong man of God, but he still was a what? Well, he wasn't a god. He was a, well, he was a mere man, just like me and you. And, you know, the same things that bother one person can be the same things that bother another person. We may want to sit there and say, oh, no, man, you know, nothing bothered Paul. But if nothing bothered Paul, why did these people coming help him to be courageous or help him take courage when he was discouraged? Okay, He was discouraged at the way things had gone. His head might have been swirling with doubt. We don't know. Am I really on God's path still? I mean, I'm an innocent man, I can hear him saying to himself. I'm an innocent man, yet I've been tried three times and been found innocent, yet still I am here a prisoner. Then with that devil talking to him, you know, those fiery darts, nobody cares about all you've been through. You know, pulling a card out of Solomon's rear, you know, all is vanity, all is vanity. Nobody cares that you're even coming to Rome. You're wasting your time. You're going to have to go there, and you're going to have to find people to stay with just like you did back there near Naples. Come on, man. You're just wasting your time. You're a nobody. You're a jailbird. Nobody cares about what you have to say. I know these things because he said similar things to me. That devil is tricky. Christians, beware of the devil's whispers when you're weak. Uh, they can and will take your courage away, just like I saw here, just like God showed me here. Paul needed courage. He was discouraged, just like the devil's attacks against him caused him to be discouraged. And, and it, is, it is at this most difficult, possibly even breaking point, moment here for Paul, who is discouraged. I could quit. I'm thinking of quitting. I don't think I can go to another step. Jesus, that this band of Christian soldiers shows up and they show him that they love him. 
And that is he is able to take courage and keep moving forward for Christ. God obviously had put it on their hearts to make the whole day's trek to encourage Paul as he was running low on courage. They encourage him by showing up, showing him that they love him, showing him that they care about him, and and that he's there. What an expression of tangible, awesome God's love here. Why else might this have encouraged Paul? Well, remember, as I mentioned earlier, up till now in Paul's travels, mainly he was the one that traveled around to talk to other people about Jesus Christ, whether lost or saved. He, he, he's the one that went out, as I mentioned earlier, as I told you, that was kind of important, where they found some brethren. It was always him going other places to talk to Christians, to encourage them, keep them going for Christ, keep them encouraged, you know, keep them on Christ's path, or or it was always him going to the lost to, to reach them for Jesus Christ. But notice all the love and devotion was always spent from him to go to others to help them, right? Here, this band of Christian travelers from Rome make him important. They travel 30-some miles, a whole day's trip, which was not an easy trip, to just to meet him, just to love on him, just to help him. How many people? You could read the book of Acts. There are not there zero times that people actually came to Paul to help him. He was the one that always went to help. This was huge. And, and again, they could have easily, they heard he was coming. Hey, well, he'll be here in a couple days. Hey, let's get everything ready. We'll show him once he's here that he's important to us. But they don't. God saw that he was discouraged 30 miles from Rome. And so that's where God made him. Think of the hassle and the hardship they would have been saved or they would have saved themselves if they were just waited at Rome. But they didn't. They, they went out of their way. Praise Jesus. They went out of their way just to show Paul that they loved him. The devil lost in his plotting and his discouragement that he had Paul in and for him wanting to get him to quit to serve Christ. Now, once someone becomes a true Christian, so once someone makes a step to truly follow Christ and not just be a fan or an admirer anymore, that's when their real spiritual battle begins. They've left the side of simply just being a blind slave of the devil to become a child of God and a servant of Christ. And of course, you know, the Bible says that the devil really doesn't like it one bit. In fact, he hates it so much that he wants to draw you back into his arms, back into sin, back into the ways of the old all the time. Um, the reason for the title The reason I believe God gave me the title God Cares for this message when it was obviously the band of Christians from Rome that showed up and showed Paul that they cared about him is because I don't believe that they could have known just how discouraged and low Paul was feeling on their own. There's no way they could have known that he was discouraged and losing heart for they couldn't know the thoughts of Paul's heart as only Jehovah knows the thoughts of his kids' hearts. So I believe that God is the one that moved on these Christian soldiers' hearts in Rome to come and show Paul that they cared because that's what Paul needed to keep him going and keep him running his race of faith for Christ. I can't tell you how many times in my Christian walk that I've been discouraged. 
Can't tell you how many times I've been feeling low and down and out and feeling like I could quit and oh wow God and things aren't going right for me and oh wow Lord you know look at this and my mind starts focusing on all the bad and and all the bad things that have happened and all the setbacks I've had and then out of nowhere just out of nowhere a, a, a Christian a brother or sister in Christ that I I've served Christ back in the days on the streets and, and other ministries all of a sudden they send me a text message and I haven't talked to this person in a year <laughs> right but all of a sudden I get a text message and, and the verse it's exactly talking to me about the discouragement that I'm dealing with right then and there the verse that they send me deals exactly with how I'm feeling, why I'm discouraged, why I'm down and out. And again, I may have not talked to this brother or sister in Christ for a whole year, sometimes six months, sometimes months will go by. With, with, and then one, a fellow that I know in Florida, I, I, I only talked to him maybe once a year. Yet God is faithful when I'm down and out and discouraged. He does the same thing for me, and there's no way that that person can know what they're sending me. It's all a God thing. Uh, there's no way. There's no way they could know I'm deeply discouraged, down and out in my faith, but Jehovah can. Jesus Christ can. So, so just to show me he cares, Christ will move uh, and, and, and do this and work in another servant's heart to send me what I need because he loves me and because he cares for me. Uh, these amazing messages are, are miraculous and can only come from the one that knows the hearts of those that are his. God is so good at showing his servants that he cares, just like he showed Paul here that he cared. I don't know where you, my listener, may be or may not be with Christ today, but God does. He knows that if you're, he knows if you're his and in, in, in how you're doing spiritually. He knows how you're feeling and what you're thinking. He knows if you're reading his word and seeking him daily. He even knows if you're choosing to be joyful or sad in the midst of difficult times. He knows if you're being, if he knows if you're discouraged and and you're wanting to quit on the work he's given you to do, just like he knew here with Paul, almost to Rome. If you're a follower of Christ today and doing great things to Jesus, and you're, an amazing, and you're in an amazing place spiritually with Christ, sitting on the mountaintop with Christ in fellowship, sitting on the mountaintop in devotion, great in your finances, marriage, family, job, etc., well, then God knows it. And if you are, well, just like for, just like for Paul when he got that encouragement, praise Jesus. Keep going and don't listen to the devil's whispers because he's coming. You, your time will come when something bad will happen, some, some negative thing will happen in your life, in your marriage, with your job, with your family, with your kids, with, with your cars, with your finances. The devil's coming, but just beware, the devil's coming. He doesn't care who you are. He attacked Jesus Christ. He attacked Apostle Paul. He attacked Apostle Peter. He, he attacked, he's attacked all the greats. He's going to attack you. He's going to attack me. We're not above each other. I'm not greater than Paul. Paul wasn't greater than me. You're not greater than Peter. Peter's not greater than you. Okay? And he attacked them, and he's going to attack you too. Right? So it's coming. Just be prepared because he's coming, and just be ready. The devil is a liar and the father of lies. So don't listen to him. Tell him to go away in Jesus Christ's name when you hear his poisonous words in your head because because they're coming now 
if you say today that you're a follower of Christ, but you're not doing so great spiritually. Maybe you're in the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe you're struggling in your relationships right now. Maybe your job's not going so good. You got a boss that's coming down on you all the time and he's constantly riding you and making your life terrible there. Uh, Maybe you're not reading God's word and praying every day. Maybe you're sick with some kind of illness that you have. Well, God knows these things also. And and that's why you, uh, by God's divine providence, decided to tune in to this message or... Maybe somebody sent you this message. Maybe you had no idea why, or maybe you opened up your computer and went to the internet, and there you went on Facebook, and all of a sudden there popped up on Facebook. Either way, maybe God's brought it to your ears somehow, and he brought it to you for a reason. What is that reason? Well, that reason is because God cares about you. He cares about your struggles. He cares about your well-being. He cares about your happiness, your despair, your struggles. And he cares about all the pain that you carry in your heart and in your life and in your mind. And he cares about everything. And today, if you belong to Christ and you're having a terrible life and you're all discouraged, thinking of quitting Jesus Christ or the work he's given you, he wants to remind you of how much he cares about you and that he's even with you and has not forsaken you. And he's doing it right now through this message that you just don't even know how you got, right? So, saint, that's what we're called. If you're a follower of Christ, you're considered a saint by God. Don't give up. Stop listening to the devil's whispers in your ear. Stop being depressed. God cares. God cares about you. He's got me here to tell you that he cares about you, that he loves you, that he's not through with you, he's, he's with you, he lives inside of you. He's not leaving you. He, he's just allowing you to go through some times for a reason. The Bible says God tests those that are his. Tests us why. Well, he wants to see, you know, how sincere we really are about following him. He'll allow things to happen so that it'll drive us closer to him. I'll tell you. There's nothing like bad things happening and that driving people closer to God. I mean, it's kind of like a foolproof thing. I've seen it happen with myself. I've seen it happen with others. I try not to live that way in my life, and I'm mostly successful. I don't wait till bad things happen and then draw nearer or closer to God, but I know that that some people are. Well, right now, he's allowing you to go through something, but he wants you to know that he cares. He knows exactly where you are And he's telling you right now through me that you're not alone. That he loves you. That he's with you. And that he's for you and that he cares for you. So remember, you and I are in a great spiritual war today. And if we belong to Jesus Christ, we left Satan. And and as we serve God in Christ now, that angers the devil. That angers him a lot. And so what does that mean? That means that he hates us. And he wants us back in his team. Misery loves company. He knows that he's going to be in hell in the lake of fire forever. And he wants to have as many people that are made in God's image there with him because he hates God that much. And he hates you just because you're made in God's image. But it's not God's will that you give up. I'm going to say that again. It's not God's will that you give up. He wants you to fight 
He wants you to fight for Him. He wants you to fight in your faith. He wants you to strive to know Him more, to keep going, to trust Him. Hey, do you trust me that I'm with you? Or do you just think I've forsaken you and then, you know, that's just it? And Are my promises not good for you? They're good, child of God. God's promises are good. If there's anyone in this existence, heaven and earth, there's one that knows how to keep his promises, and that's God, and that's Jesus Christ. And they said, as long as you abide in them, that they'll abide in you and they'll abide with you. Are you abiding in them? And if you are, you better stay, and he'll stay with you. He'll walk with you hand in hand, right by your side. And But the devil, of course, he'll see those times that you're having, those tough times, and he'll come at you with those whispers. He'll want to discourage you. He'll want to get you to quit. He'll want you to get you back on his side. You need to tell him to shut his mouth. Put Satan in his place. We forget that so often. I forget that so often. Tell Satan to shut up and get behind me in Jesus Christ's name. Jesus Christ is the only way that we could tell him what to do without him. The devil could wipe us out in a second, in a millisecond. In Christ, we are tramplers on Satan's head. So you, in Jesus Christ's name, need to tell that devil to shut up and get away from you in Jesus Christ's name. God asks you today to totally trust in him with all your burdens. God asks you to trust in Him with all the things that you care about, that you're concerned about, that you're frustrated about. All your problems, your anxieties, your discouragements. And He wants you to surrender them all unto Him. To put everything in His hands. To tell that devil to shut up And he wants to see, will you still serve me even through those tough times? Don't quit. He loves you so much and wants you to know that he knows how you feel and wants me to tell you that you are still in his arms. He's still holding on to you. So stop being afraid. I shared this section of scripture that I came across this last week with a good brother of mine who was having some doubts and some worries about some things, and I want to share it with you to close to my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ out there. It's Psalms 46, 1 through 3. Just listen to what how the psalmist writes it here. And, and, and I want you to, we need to take this, all of us that are trusting and abiding in Christ, take it personally. The psalmist says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present, notice it's right there right now, help in trouble. Verse 2, therefore, so the therefore is upon what we just read. Hey, God is my refuge. God is my strength. Hey, right here in this moment, right now, God is my present help with me right in my midst of my trouble and I know it because I trust him because he's been there for me my whole Christian life I know he's there with me so the psalmist says upon the the amazing promises of God there the amazing awesomeness of God to be with me and to be my help in trouble verse 2 therefore so that would mean because of those things that I just told you because God is awesome because he's with me because I know he's my help therefore 
I am not going to fear. We will not fear. Even though, look at, the, look, look at what he says. Because of those attributes of God, and because I trust in him this much, even though the earth be removed. Wow, there's probably nothing worse than that, right? Think about it. We're all standing here on earth, and all of a sudden the earth just disappears. Whoa, wait a minute. Wow, I'm falling to my death somewhere, right? I'm not going to worry all those traits of God, even though there's no more earth, or even though the earth below me is gone. And though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, great earthquakes, great, you know, terrible national disasters, though its waters roar and be troubled, hurricanes and all these terrible things at sea, Euryclidans, though the mountains shake with its swelling. And he closes by saying, he goes on in, in, the, in the psalm more, but he stops there and he says, Selah. That means meditate on those things. Hey, I refuse to fear and be worried because God is my right here help in trouble. I know he's with me. Hey, he is my refuge and my strength. I know that it's God who makes me strong. From God is all strength. I know, and because of those things, no matter what can happen to me, God's with me. I'm good. I'm not going to fear. Get out of here, fear. And that's what God wants you to say right now. Christian, follower of Christ, get out of here, fear. I trust in the Lord. Yeah, even if the earth's gone beneath my feet. God, you're with me. You're going to help me. You're going to help me walk through it. No different than Jesus Christ. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. He never promises an easy road. He just promises that he'll be with us through the difficult road. If you don't belong to God and Jesus Christ today, I want to let you know He also cares about you. Don't forget that. But His message to you is a little different. You see, He loves you, paid the greatest price for you on the cross, and He desires you to respond to His show of love for you and make a heart decision to turn to Jesus Christ today, to make a heart decision to follow in Jesus Christ today, to stop being a fan or to stop being an admirer and to become a follower, to become one of his disciples, someone that runs to him for your refuge, someone that runs to him as a shield and stays there, someone that comes to him and says, here I am, Lord. I want you to be my master. And Lord, how do you say I should follow you? Because Lord, I want to follow you right now. That's how you become to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It isn't just a guarantee to those who believe and received him. To them, he became, he gave them the right to become children of God. So you have to believe in him and receive him. That means turn to him and again, make a decision to follow him. Please seek Jesus Christ today and allow him to show you how good he is. If you doubt me, ask him, start praying. God, that pastor said, you're good and that you're awesome and that you're amazing, would you please show me those things? Open my eyes to show me those things so that I can put my trust in you, so that I can run to Jesus Christ as my refuge, and so I can begin to follow him. And if you seek, Jesus said, you will find. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your word today. Thank you so much, Lord God, for your promises. Thank you so much, Lord God, Lord, thank you so much for the difficult times that we have to go through. Lord, I, I, 
I, you know what? We should be joyful, it says in your word, whether it's good or whether it's bad. And Lord, as Job said, blessed be the name of the Lord. For God, you give and you take away. Lord, it's not fair for us not to fully trust in you when things are going tough. But even though we saw Paul do it, he was, he was discouraged. It's not fair for us to do that to you, Lord, but it is such human nature that we fall to that, Lord. And I, I just pray for all of us believers that are listening to this message, Lord, all those all over the world, Lord God in heaven, that, that we would stop getting discouraged when things go wrong, when our lives, when, when all these problems when start to happen, these bills start to pile up, emergencies happen, whatever, Lord God. I pray we'd stop immediately turning to, oh, woe is me, God, where are you? Lord, and, and just as Job said, well, blessed be the name of the Lord, for he gives and takes away. God, I pray that we would trust in you, even as the psalmist said, Psalm 46, even though the earth be removed from beneath us. Help us, Lord. Help us. Help us to focus on your goodness and your promises and not get stuck in the mire and in discouragement. And help us not, Lord God, to listen to the devil when our lives do become full of problems or full of you know, things that we can't handle. Help us to stop listening to that devil. Lord, he so has such a powerful voice in our minds, but we're in control of if we let him talk to us or not. We have the power in Christ to tell him to get away. Help us and remind us, Lord God. Remind us, please, God, that we need to tell him to shut up and get behind us in Jesus Christ's name. Because, Lord, we can. Your word says we can. Lord, so help us, Lord, your children. And, Lord, for those that are not your children or listen to this message, Lord, I pray that you would draw them to you, Lord God. Draw them to you. Show them your goodness. Show them your awesomeness, Lord. Show them your love. Reveal yourself to them, Lord God. Help them, Lord God. Help them to see your goodness and turn to you and come to Christ as their refuge and begin to follow. I pray and ask all these things, God, in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen.